0: For any sized gift before Ash Wednesday, February 22nd, we'll send you my 2023 Lenten devotional booklet. Make a secure online donation at thewordindoors.org or make your check payable to The Word indoors and send it to Box 616, Collinsville, Illinois,
1: 62234, and we'll send you my new devotional booklet for Lent. The Word of the Lord Endures Forever is brought to you in part by the Lutheran Heritage Foundation. LHF is a recognized service organization of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, dedicated to translating and publishing the books of our Lutheran faith into more than 100 languages for our Christian brothers and sisters around the world. Learn how you can take part in their work at lhfmissions.org. Welcome to The Word of the Lord Endures Forever with Pastor Will Wheaton. Jesus
0: has no place to settle down in this world, no place in this world he can call home because he is that stranger passing through and doing so in such a way as to open his true home up for us to enter with him. What he calls in John 14, verse two, my father's
1: house. The Word of the Lord Endures Forever is a daily verse-by-verse Bible study with the church, past and present. Pastor Whedon is leading us in a study of the Gospel of St. Luke. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of
0: God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Greetings, people, Love by God. Remember last time we heard how Jesus had set his face to head up to Jerusalem that last time, as the days drew near for him to be taken up. And we're Only in chapter 9, St. Luke details that last journey more than the other evangelists. As he came to a village in Samaria, he was not welcome because of where he was heading. James and John, recall, quite upset over this, asked Jesus if he wanted them to call fire down from heaven to consume the ungracious villagers, just as Elijah had done with the troops of 50. But Jesus rebuked them, and as many manuscripts have it, he told them that they didn't realize what spirit they are of, since he, the son of man, has come not to destroy men's lives, but to save them. That recall is the Lucan version of John's famous words, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him, John three seventeen. Rather than dwell on the rejection that had met them, they simply head on to the next village. That's the path of the gospel. Wherever it's rejected, it just moves on to others. Thus, when rejected by so many of Jesus' fellow Jews, it moved on to the Gentiles. But where this or that group of Gentiles reject it, it moves on to others still. The continuation of the Holy Gospel, according to St. Luke, the ninth chapter, beginning at verse 57. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, Follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Luke 9 verses 57 through 62. Let us pray. Lord, bless your word wherever it is proclaimed. Make it a word of power and peace to convert those who are not yet your own and to confirm those who have come to saving faith. May your word pass from ear to heart, from heart to lip, and from the lip to the life, as you have promised, that your word may achieve the purpose for which you sent it. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. So you're ready to ponder today's passage? Let's dig in, verse 57. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. The big word in today's passage is Follow. And we tend to hear that as a metaphor right from the start because, well, we don't have Jesus bodily present before our eyes, so we can't do it literally. But we need to hear it in this context quite literally. These folks and Jesus himself, that he means here to walk behind him and above all, to walk behind him as he's heading up the road to Jerusalem to that grand taking up, to follow Jesus all the way into death, through death, into life everlasting, the life that never ends. So this unnamed man cries out as they're going up the road, I'm going to follow you wherever you go. Echoes there of Ruth's word to Naomi when Naomi encouraged her to return to her own people, remember? But Ruth said, do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Since at last report we were in Samaria, I can't help but wonder if the man who says this is a Samaritan. Jesus' response to the profession of loyalty to him is along the lines of, hey, man, you better look before you leap. Verse 58. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. I think we have to hear that as, if you pitch your lot in with me, you are going to have a share in my homelessness in this world. As the beloved hymn puts it, I'm but a stranger here. Heaven is my home. Jesus has no place to settle down in this world, no place in this world he can call home because he is that stranger passing through and doing so in such a way as to open his true home up for us to enter with him what he calls in John 14, verse 2, my father's house. I think all of that's implied in his answer. To follow Jesus is to refuse to settle down in this age. Verse 59, to another he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. The first man had volunteered, saying that he was ready to go with Jesus no matter where that he'd never be parted from him. The second man is conscripted. Jesus summons him as he did St. Matthew, St. Peter, St. Andrew, St. James, St. John. But here we see that Jesus' invitation is always something that can be resisted and rejected. The man hesitates. And why? It sounds to me like he's saying that his father is gravely ill and near death, and he doesn't want to leave him. In other words, he's holding up obedience to the fourth commandment as his duty at the moment. But Jesus says in response, verse 60, and Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Ouch, again, that sounds so harsh, doesn't it? So cold, so callous. But when Jesus says, follow me, this is actually first commandment stuff. Obeying God always takes precedence, and Jesus is God in our flesh. And think about this. Jesus is summoning this man to come with him on his final journey up to Jerusalem, where he would see Jesus crucified for the sins of the world, then raised from the dead, destroying both sin and death's power for the human race. Jesus wants this man to be one of those who will then go forth to preach the kingdom of God. If his father is indeed ailing, and in a matter of weeks this man will see Jesus crucified and raised, glorified at the father's right hand, preparing an eternal home for those who believe in him, then the man would have some very, very, very good news to bring to his dying father and to his village and to all the world. The king of the kingdom has come among us, and has destroyed our direst enemies, including the enemy threatening his father right then. So when there is a conflict between the fourth commandment and the first commandment, there's a hierarchy of the commandments that comes into play. You can't honor your parents if that means disobeying God's own express commands to you. This is a similar instance to the disobedience to the priests, which Peter and John and the other disciples will show when they say in Acts 5.29, we must obey God rather than men. St. Cyril of Alexandria wrote about this in the 5th century. We learn from this that the fear of God is to be set above the reverence and love due to our parents. The law of Moses in the first place commanded that you shall love the Lord your God with all your soul, with all your might, with all your heart. It put as second to it, the honor due to parents. Verse 61, yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at home. Now, this third man was not conscripted by Christ, but he volunteers to follow him on condition. That is, I'll follow you if you let me go home and say goodbye to my family. That, together with Jesus' response, Should remind you of 1 Kings 19, right? So he, that is Elijah, departed from there and he found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen in front of him and he was with the 12th. Elijah passed by him and cast his cloak upon him and he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, let me kiss my father and my mother, then I will follow you. And he said to him, go back again for what have I done to you? And he returned from following him and took the yoke of oxen and sacrificed them and boiled their flesh with the yokes of the oxen and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he arose and went after Elijah and assisted him. Sounds like Elisha began his following of Elijah with a similar condition, doesn't it? But then it's not really clear that he followed through on it. It sounds to me rather like he said, ah, forget it, I'm going to follow you now. And he sacrifices the ox and hence, no more plowing, and he went after Elijah. But Jesus clearly allows his followers no but first. When he commands, he expects prompt obedience. Verse 62. Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. There's the plow again. But this time, Jesus seems to be speaking of following him as plowing with him. Remember, take my yoke upon you, Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 and following. Have you ever noticed when you're driving your car how if you just glance over to the side, your steering almost unavoidably ends up following your eyes? Same with the plow, I'm told, when you're guiding it. If you don't stare straight ahead, no straight lines. Jesus wants our eyes fixed on him and where he's headed and not looking back to family, to home, to reputation, to anything. He'll mention the dangers of looking back again in Luke 17, verse 32, evoking Lot's wife. So instead of that backward glance to what we hold near and dear, he calls this man and us to stay focused on him and where he's headed And what he's about to do. That's where we're going to call our halt for today. Next up, Jesus expands the mission. He already had sent the 12 out, and they had returned to him having completed what they were given to do. This time, he sends out 72 others, sending them ahead of him as heralds of the arrival of the king. He tells them the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. They need to pray the Lord of the harvest. That would be him, his father, the spirit to send out laborers into his harvest. He tells them he's sending them as lambs into the midst of wolves. He tells them to speak peace, to stay in one place, not jockeying for better positions, to heal the sick and to announce that God's kingdom has come near, that the king is here. And again, to shake the dust off their feet where they're not welcomed. Till next time, people loved by God, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you the Lord lift up
1: his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Word of the Lord Endures Forever with Pastor Will Whedon. The Word of the Lord Endures Forever is a listener-supported program. You can donate by check, make your check payable to The Word Endures and send it to Box 616, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. You can also make a secure online contribution at thewordendures.org. The Word of the Lord Endures Forever is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio.